This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey, everybody, this is Mark Meadows from Top Step. We are very close to starting season two of the podcast, but in the meantime, we have another great episode for you. This time, it's market wizard Larry Benedict, a trader and the founder of The Opportunistic Trader. In this episode, Larry shares the keys to building his trading fortune, and he did so by going against some of the trading wisdom we espouse. Things like making sure your average winning trades are multiples of your average losing trades. It's a great conversation, but before we get into it, I wanted to share some market thoughts. When you share thoughts like I do every week, you get some calls right and some calls wrong, but that's not a bad thing. With equity markets hitting all-time highs this week, I was reminded of how skeptical I was of this latest bull push. So I wrote a haiku. Going to the moon cannot be right all the time. Don't stay wrong for long. The point is, Yes, I was publicly wrong that the latest bull market move was a fake out. Instead, it reignited during all of January and February. But importantly, I knew when I would be wrong on my market view, when the S&P 500 broke out above a triple top from Q4 2018. That happened in March, and the race was on. More recently, I've been bullish. I could still be wrong on that call, and the market could reverse. That's why I stick to short-term trading and let the day-to-day moves tell me what to do. I hope you do the same. And without any further ado, here's the conversation between Top Steps Eddie Horn and Larry Benedict. Today, it's my honor to continue our third conversation with one of Jack Schwager's market wizards, Larry Benedict. Now, Larry is unique and uh, his chapter in the hedge fund market wizards, it, it, t- it talks a lot about struggles getting started. And Gosh, if you're a trader, you know what that's all about. Now, that's why we're so interested to have Larry on. Instead of letting those struggles define him, Larry let those setbacks shape him into a successful trader. Now, Larry's latest venture, the opportunistic trader. Now, this is set to launch in the coming weeks. It's his attempt to uh, democratize everything that he's learned along the way and help Give everyday traders back an edge. Larry, this is awesome to have you on here with us. Thank you very much. Now, one more piece of background. In the writing the book, 2012, uh, Jack Schwager talked about your 20-year profitable run at Spear Leads. During the run uh, you had from 2004 to 2012, your fund returned an average of 11.5 net of fees with just a 5% drawdown. Now, for you out there listening, folks, if that doesn't sound impressive, now remember, if you remember, uh, remember that the broad market fell 50% plus in 2000 and 2008. And honestly, all I can say is, gosh, holy cow. Um, wow. It's, it's amazing, Larry. Thank you again. Now, Larry, um, We'll get into some of these struggles you had early in your career in a minute, but uh, if it's okay, I want to dig into that defining moment, the moment when enough was enough and all the work you were putting in started to pay off. A lot of us, you know, spinning our wheels, Larry, um, wondering, is this for me? Take us back and uh, tell us how you got started. I started in the business in 1984 on the floor of the CBOA. 
uh, Chicago Board Options Exchange. And I was a clerk for a very large trader in the OEX index, which was uh, an index of of stocks that's probably the most active at that point before the S&P 500 was introduced was the most active uh, equity index traded. And uh, I learned I learned the business from the, the ground up. Um, I I clerked for a gentleman for about a year, got a little bit of experience, thought I knew really what was going on. And I took uh, money that was saved for me, uh, for my family, about $20,000 and entered uh, into the pit and uh, tried to trade it. I was struggling a bit. And what was funny about it was that a guy who was one of my closest friends, uh, a guy named Andy Allen at the time, was a pretty successful trader early on. And I used to call my parents and I was struggling. And I said, this is too hard. What should I do? So my mother said to me, she said, well, why don't you just do everything Andy's doing because he's making money? (laughs) Well, it sounded easier (laughs) than it really was, because when he was buying, I was too late in buying and he was selling and I couldn't sell fast enough. So the, you know, the struggle was the onset of the struggle and, you know, figuring it out and figuring out the landscape and really uh, bounced around for a number of years, traded through my money at the early onset and uh, struggled for two, three years, um, but really was working very hard, was doing a lot of analysis, was trying to figure out what was working, what wasn't working. And uh, really the homework that I did helped me, you know, to get past the point of, you know, thinking that I couldn't make it. And one of one of the defining moments, and I always talk about this, was um, the first day I made $1,000. And that happened, I think, in about 86. And it was, it's funny, people always ask me, like, what, what's your most memorable trade? And what's the biggest trade? And really, that was the most important trade to me because it actually gave me the confidence to realize that I was able to be successful in the business mm-hmm. and make a thousand dollars, which you know doesn't seem like a lot to what ended up happening in my career, but that was sort of the defining moment. You know, from there it uh, it sort of became a business. You know, through the late '80s, pretty much traded my own money, did okay, and then you know, in 1989. I went to a firm called Spear Leeds and Kellogg, which was the largest specialist firm on the floor of uh, the New York Stock Exchange and other uh, exchanges and uh, developed my career from there. Now, you, you took a lot of pounding, right? It took you a lot to realize what you needed to do. Now, being young, you know, we're versatile. We can take a few few bumps here and there. What did you think? And could uh, why did you think I should say why did you think you could become a great trader? I mean, was it because of your friend or uh, I know making this thousand at a young age in a day uh, on the trading floor? Why did you think you could do this? Well, you know, it, it it's interesting. Um, you know, it's a little sidestep, but I always I managed hundreds of traders in my career, and I always ask 
the question to myself, what is the makeup of a great trader or not even a great trader, but a trader that could make money? And really, you know, it all comes down to a couple of things. And one is, you know, the most important thing is discipline. Okay. And knowing that you could make a lot of trades. So, you know, really, I think what the struggle was, was a struggle with understanding discipline, understanding, you know, that the trade that I was making didn't have to define me and it was not the last trade I was going to make. And understanding that, you know, there'll be other opportunities if this opportunity didn't work or this trade didn't work. And once I once I got past the fact that, you know, this trade didn't have to be the only trade and accepting losses would be another thing that I think is important for new traders and traders in the industry to understand a lot of the problem that I've seen over the years in looking at numbers of traders is is basically the point of finality or getting out of a losing trade. That's, you know, something that I struggled with early on and sort of got past. And another thing that I think is, you know, really important and is a makeup of what I think is a, you know, a very good trader is somebody that is very aggressive, um, that can pull the trigger and, you know, which is also a very hard part of trading that I've noticed over the years is, you know, getting the confidence to make the trade after you see it, you know? So those things I think are important. See, you're, you're hitting a lot here about, uh, pulling the trigger and accepting losses. Yeah. Just knowing a lot of traders, Larry, accepting that loss when you, when you get into the business, it, that's probably one of the hardest things to swallow is accepting a loss. But like you said, you know, it, it took time. You did your homework. Uh, you paid the price. You started to see light at the end of the tunnel and said, Hey, you know what? Um, tomorrow's another day. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, let me ask you um, about uh, the uh, importance of you're talking about discipline, management. Again, I'm going to add patience in there. Uh, I know that you are huge on management. Uh, one thing I like to tell people is, hey, manage yourself and manage your account. That's if you can if you can handle that, it, you're you're going to be walking a straight path. Management is just so important. Tell us about management. Along with discipline, which probably coincides with management, it's it's probably the most critical thing in in trading. And you've got to you know you've got to enter a trade knowing what you're going to make. Not not really as much knowing what you're going to make, but knowing what you're going to lose and assuming what you're willing to take. So, for example. You know, I, I do a lot of S and P's, um, five hundred futures. Um, that's really my expertise. Um, probably made money in those equity indexes probably more than anything else that I I've ever traded. But what I'll do is we'll use sort of around the current price of twenty seven seventy. Um, you know, I would enter a trade if I wanted to buy or sell. At that price, putting a stop into the marketplace, okay, and then having an idea what I'd like to make on that trade. And, you know, people always skew like risk reward, like, you know, if you're going to, you know, 
risk six, you should make six. A lot of my trading wasn't done that way. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of trades in a day, a couple of hundred trades a day minimally. And, you know, a lot of times I would risk six to make one, make one and a half, make two. But I was I was quick, you know, to get in and out. So I would enter, exit, enter, exit. But I always knew by utilizing the stop loss or the price that I knew I was getting out that my risk on the trade was defined and it and it really it created it created really a lot of upside for me because it built in the discipline and made it a business to me. When you were just starting out and if you could and you could tell yourself something what would you tell yourself back then if you were your own mentor and you you saw yourself as a young trader and uh you had some advice. What would you say? I'll start by this. Unfortunately, <laughs> the trading floor is a thing of the past. So trading is now electronic. Nothing will ever be like the trading floor. The trading floor was the most unique environment mm. that I've ever, ever experienced. You could be standing next to a PhD from Harvard, standing next to someone who may not have graduated high school and the environment was amazing because it was ultra competitive. The bottom line is I had a lot of mentors or people I looked up to on the floor that were ultra disciplined, you know, strict money makers, mm -hmm. you know, and I got a lot out of them, but no one was handing you free advice. And, you know, that's my thought, you know, you don't want to trade alone. So, you know, for me, you know, I utilized everything that I saw but knowing guys were my friends, but potentially the guy standing next to me who I may have dinner with was going to make money off me if he could. I mean, that was just the environment. So so to to preface the question, you know, there's no more floor, but the floor was unique and it gave me an unbelievable discipline. But what what I would tell people now is the most important thing really is work. You know, a lot of people say, you know, and they sell trading as a business that it's not work. They're like, oh, come trade. You know, you can make a ton of money. It's not hard. It, it's work. And, you know, my advice to myself, looking back on it, because, you know, I struggled a little bit at the onset with some of these problems, was I wanted to be a master of everything. So, you know, if people were trading IBM, I wanted to be an IBM. And if they were trading, uh, you know, Teledyne or other stocks. I wanted to be in that, you know, and I was trading S&Ps. And my my advice to myself looking back on it, and I think I would have been much more successful earlier, is basically to to become a expert in what you're looking at. OK, so whether that be bank stocks or, you know, or or, or seeing correlations that, you know, you can understand and, and, and have the advantage over, over someone that's sort of not the expert in the space. So, you know, I, I would tell myself to, you know, really concentrate in a much more confined universe of equities and indices and commodities. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Let's talk about a 2%, 2%. One of your rules is that if you are down 2% on the month, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you'll clear all your positions out, start fresh. Now, how did that rule develop? Well, my career sort of developed 
from running money for a firm, Spear Leads, and it was dollar denominated. So, you know, they didn't segregate a box of capital. I, I had money to trade. And if I made money on the money, it was just made on air. The, the rule came into place in 2000 when I left Spear Leads, when Spear Leads was bought out by Goldman Sachs and started Banyan Equity Management, which was my hedge fund. And I ran that from 2000 to 2012 with that mantra. And basically what it did was it looked at allocated dollars and like what we talked about, risk management. And we felt as a team internally that that number would be a number that we needed to stop out our positions, reset and and trade again. And for the type of trading that I did, I was like, a, I would say I was a singles hitter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I would ground and pound every day. So, you know, the P&L was never, I mean, I shouldn't say never. We've had, you know, we've had very big days, but it was more like, okay, 50 basis points, 30 basis points, 20, 70, you know. So, you know, we felt by grinding the way we were that a 2% stop out would be efficient for us to stop us out of the position that we were wrong and that we would reassess. And it's important for people out there to understand that you may like a trade and the trade may not be working, okay? But you might find a level that may be better for you to enter the trade so that you have the ability to stay in the trade a bit longer and you don't have to be right that second if the trade's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's sort of the way we looked at it. We didn't want one trade to define us or one position to define us. And as you know, because you've been in it a long time as well, the market's bigger, badder, and meaner than all of us. So whatever you think you may know, <laughs> when you get to a number that you instill in your risk discipline, you got to stop yourself out because the market knows more than you and can humbleize anybody. It's just, you know, it's just what it is. And, and we, we were able to hold into some positions and when we got stopped out, we could still express our view, but it would be a day or two later. And then the key to the whole 2% mantra was if we did lose 2%, we would basically go to cash and then we'd come back and we grind a very small, what I call P, put a profit on the page the next day or two days later. And then all of a sudden that that bad trade or that bad day goes away, like we discussed earlier. And then you're back with a positive mindset. And listen, trading is discipline and it's mental. One of one of the best traders that that I know in in, in the world has told me you know, you, you got to be patient. Let the trade come to you. You don't have to trade every every day, every minute of every day. Let let the pitch come to you like a big softball going five miles an hour. You can hit it out of the park. So, you know, basically, I, I would say that, you know, you just want to be you want to be disciplined. 
Right. See, success. You mentioned um, the smaller trades, the base hits. Uh, you know, fill the bases up. You get another base hit, it's going to score a run. Get another base hit, it's going to score a run. Uh, a lot of traders now in electronic, they, they try to swing for the fence. And I think they learn very quickly that the odds are against you. You know, uh, you're going to be swinging for the fence. You're going to be grabbing some bench. Um, you know, go for the small hit go for the base hit uh because those add up and if you, you if you've got the discipline and you've got the patience you could manage yourself you're going to see success a hell of a lot sooner than swinging for the fence and uh agree with well, you I would, I would just add one thing to it that sure. i think is important for you know all the traders out there to understand and really what gave us the ability to be very very successful um is we we hit a lot of base hits, okay? And then all of a sudden you hit, like you said, five, six singles, a double here and there. You're scoring runs, but what it gives you is then if you're up, you know, let's use whatever the number is. You know, you're, you're up, you know, 30% on your money, 20% on your money. You then can take 10% and, and even take a shot if you felt really convicted because you're never going into the hole on on your own money. And that's how we were able to be extremely, extremely successful. So, you know, if if we were up really good in a month, we would be able to, you know, hold things a little bit more, watch the landscape and really capitalize in a better way. So by hitting those singles it gives you the opportunity to maybe go for a double, but you Man. never go for it. You, you never go for a double or a triple until you got, you know, you, you got runs in, you know, in and guys in the dugout, <laughs> you know, the bottom line is, you know, you, you, it's all risk management. So right. really the 2% rule was risk management for me to worry about my downside, but really the, 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 the rule was, implemented so that I could also take advantage of the upside because when I got away from that 2%, you know, I, I was able to do a little bit more, you know, when I was making money. Sure. So, so, so really it's, it's, you know, listen, when you're doing well, you want to be bigger. And when you're not doing well, you want to be small. When you're not, when you're not doing well, you want to take a day or two off or wait for the big, you know, slow pitch that you think is good. And, and, and it sounds simple and it really is, but you know, it's very hard for people to stick to. Right. You've got, you've got to do it over and over and try to program yourself, manage yourself. Larry, let me ask you as far as matching a style with personality, how do you know uh, when you have a market that matches your trading style? Does it just click or is it, how does it, how does it work? Well, you know, I think the personality, you know, we'll, we'll take it in two different. We'll take this question I, I would like in two different steps. OK, sure. the first step is the old step of what was, um, you know, the marketplace where we talk about the floor and, you know, the different kind of uh, people. So I would say on the floor, if you said to me, hey, Larry, you know, what do you want to hire? I would want to hire somebody that was a very good athlete, ultra aggressive, okay, but in a way was 
disciplined or a little a little bit in their personality timid. That would be, you know, someone that I think would would work well. Um, it didn't always work well, but what was interesting is the quantitative guys at that point in time, which now they pretty much control the market. They didn't really do well on the floor because it was open outcry. It was very, very difficult to get things done. And you had to be ultra, ultra aggressive and on top of everything to get orders done. So, you know, when we talk about style and and, you know, matching personality, I think that that would be, you know, something that we would have looked for on the on the floor or, you know, back in the business, you know, prior to the last 10 years, let's say. Okay. Now, you know, I, I think it, it's a little bit more difficult to, to denote what, you know, the personality and the style, because I think you can adapt better your personality and style to the marketplace. The marketplace is more adaptable here. You, you actually, I think, stand a better shot of doing well you know, regardless of your personality, you'll be able to morph it easier in the environment we're in because some of the characteristics and traits of what went on back then, you either had it or you didn't. You know, right. you either were able to get the trade or you couldn't. So now I think that that's, you know, in the point and click environment with, you know, basically, you know, all, you know, machine trading, it makes it you know, it makes it easier to adapt to a style. And, you know, I think there are styles that, you know, can do well in this environment. You know, I, you know, a lot of markets are very trendy, you know, some markets, uh, you know, you can, you know, you, you sort of have to read, you know, read the tea leaves, but, right. you know, I think that the style and personality is more adaptable at this point. All right. let, let, Larry, let me ask you, uh, one of the things that you said in the book, uh, that you think a lot of new traders struggle. Uh, they have the gambler's mentality. Um, you know, I, I sort of call it gamification. Um, you know, the click, 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 click. Um, the flipping of the coin, the rolling of the dice. Um, what, what's your take on that? Well, it's a little bit about what I discussed just a second ago. It's now you're sitting at a desk. You're, I would say, in a way, you're bored. You know, so rather than watching Netflix or whatever when nothing's going on or just, you know, sitting on your hands, people are clicking away. They're making trades. It's very simplistic to to click in and trade. So, you know, the gambler mentality is easily attained by the fact that once you start not doing well, you're clicking more. You're in front of it more. It's it's more enticing. You see more things back in in the day. You know, to make a trade, even when I was off the floor, when I left the floor, which was in 1996, seven, um, we we were able to trade. But the only way was over the phone mm -hmm. through a phone clerk right. yelling and screaming to get the order. Yelling done. and screaming. So, yes. So so that order might have taken, you know, which in this time would be a lot, 25 seconds. Now you're inside of a second. So I think I, I think that, you know, it creates more of that mentality. But when I when I talk about the gambler mentality, it's 
sort of like get rich quick or, you know, try to make a lot of money on one trade. And I, I saw more of that, you know, later on in my career, you know, with the newer guys and, you know, now, especially you know, with the millennials and, you know, with the movement of Bitcoin and, you know, make money quick, you know, so, you know, I always shy away from that. And, and the one thing I'll say in this business is if you treat it like a business, and you do the work, you could have a career in this that lasts a really long time and you could make a lot of money. Okay. And a lot of money is all relative. That lot of money always is ever changing. So a lot of money, you know, could be X in one year. And then that money, when you look back in five years is not a lot of money. So, you know, you try to grow a career and that's what I always looked at is growing the career, you know, and, and learning. Right. And and that's the one thing I think in a way, you know, is is missing. I don't I don't manage as many traders now today as I have in the past. But, you know, I've managed hundreds and hundreds of traders and seen pretty much every personality you could see and every story and excuse under the sun. But now I, I just think that people want the want the money. Really, the younger generation wants the money really fast. And it's work. It is. It is work. And and I think once they realize how much work it is, they're they're going to take a few steps back and say, "Okay, I need to prepare myself for this. This isn't as easy as I thought it was." Now, one of the things here talking about management. You know, we, we mentioned management earlier before coming into a, a game like this. Uh, you know, we mentioned uh, here in the broadcast a few years back about how. Uh, professional poker players have that mentality. You know, it makes a lot of difference, and it is different than uh, just being a gambler. And like I mentioned, rolling the dice, flipping the coin. Uh, you've you've got to be very strategic, and you've got to really think things out. But you know, in the on the trading floor, gosh. You couldn't think, uh, you, you wouldn't have seconds to think. Um, you know, sometimes when we hit a fast market, uh, you know, when I was clerking, you know, my, my broker would turn around and say, how many do I need to buy? <laughs> I'd throw him a number, 258, you know, and, and, and then you'd start adding it up. Oh, gosh, I hope this adds up to at least 260, you know, uh, and, and things, things iron themselves out. And I mean, you got to do your homework. You can't half-ass this. You can't shortcut it. Uh, it's very important. And like you said, you know, uh, it's a business. This is your storefront. This is your beef stand. This is your clothing store. This is your beauty shop. You, know, you have to be the best boss that you possibly can be. And, you know, sometimes you got to shut yourself down and say, no, you know what? No, it's not going to happen. It's too big of a risk. And, uh, you know, just listening to what you're saying is you know, everything is just sort of fitting in and saying, oh, now I know why Larry is where Larry is, because he went through all this. And, and it's much appreciated that you're sharing that with us today. Uh, no problem. Now, I know you're an active trader. Walk us through your day, your process a little bit, if you could. Now, me, I mean, I wake up, I have a tall glass of Tang and a Pop-Tart. What's your what's what's your process, Larry? Uh, <laughs> a little bit more sleep these days than back in the day, back, but yeah. uh, not you know. The interesting thing about the market is you know it's now global twenty four seven. You know, depending on what you trade, if you're trading just equities, obviously 
you know, um, you can't really trade at night, but the stuff that I do, you know, goes 24 hours, but you know, my day would work some, as long as I don't get a call in the middle of the night, that something really moved big. Um, you know, for someone that's working with me, you know, I'll sleep through the night and I get up in the morning, try to get in at about 7 a.m. But now with everything going on, you can trade from your home on your phone. So I'm always in, in front of it, you know, pick up breakfast, come in, um, you know, now with what we're doing, we're putting out a overnight report. So I, I would read the overnight report or basically know everything that's going on overnight, whether it be in, you know, Asia time zone, Europe. Um, and then I would assess the landscape of everything going on. And I'm very, very macro. So, okay. you know, I'm looking at everything again, you know, S and P's is really my forte, but you know, I trade oil, I trade bonds, I'll trade currencies, I'll, you know, I'll pretty much trade the gamut of everything, um, you know, a lot of Europe and, and Asia. So, you know, I'll assess the landscape. And then what I like to do is I like to do a lot of mean reversion, and that's ever changing, but I'll do markets against other markets. So, you know, I'll trade the DAX against uh, the S&P or, you know, I'll trade S&Ps against S&P options and, you know, always looking to hedge, but trying to get a little bit of edge off of, of what's going on. But, you know, I, I would I would look at research in the morning and we do. And then, you know, I have about four or five people that I speak with during and before the opening and and all of that, that I would call, you know, I would still call them my mentors, but people that I've known in the business for 25 plus years. And, you know, we talk maybe a little bit about the market and then I assess my game plan. But what's interesting about the game plan is the game plan is ever changing. It's changing minute to minute, second to second, you know, looking at, you know, correlations, you know, what's been really interesting and a little bit more difficult than what it used to be in the past is a lot of these computer algos are now using, they're using um, things that everyone cues off of as like what I call, you know, false positives and whatnot. So, you know, like on a day like today, for example, you know, the market finished down about 200 and and the S&P was down about 20 and dollar yen, which you would think would not trade, you know, strong for the for the uh, for the yen is, you know, it, it's going the reverse of of the trade. So, you know, a lot of that's been interesting. But, you know, we'll look at those uh, correlations. Um, we'll look at you know, all of the other markets. And again, that's how we start our day. But as soon as our day starts, it changes immediately. Right. And I would suggest that all traders, whether it be in equities or futures, you know, do that. You come in with the game plan, you try to assess the game plan. And, you know, as soon as that game plan's not working or it doesn't look right, you got to make the changes to, uh, you know, to make it right. Make it right. Exactly. Yeah. Preparation. Let's talk about your new site that you're launching here shortly. Uh, it seems like uh, what you plan to do with opportunistic traders is uh, sharing your knowledge, leveling the playing field, and uh, for those active in the markets to get the insight from a team of successful and experienced traders. Uh, 
if you can, walk our listeners through this a bit. This sounds very exciting. Oh, thanks a lot. Well, basically, I came up with this idea about four or five years ago, and I would have been really, really early in, in the landscape of what's going on out there as far as education advice and trying to help out, you know, brand new traders up to very experienced traders. But I didn't start it. And about a year and a half ago or about a year ago, um, I, I got more serious about doing this. And I was I've been scouring the landscape, seeing the products that are being offered out there. And there are a lot of them. And I thought that I had a value-add proposition or our team has a value-add proposition that makes sense and can really help people make money, not get rich quick, but grind it out strategy exactly the way I do it every day that I'm still doing it today. And I went to a couple of, of my close friends, uh, one or two are very, very well-known Traders in the industry have written books, you know, have been on multiple news channels and people know who they are. They'll be on the site as well, providing expertise in in their specific area. So, you know, I I, I started this um, to give people access to my trading, all the trades that I do on a daily basis when I buy, when I sell, when our other experts buy and sell that are active as myself. And I think, you know, it'll give people the ability to learn, watch us trade, trade with us and, and, and make money. And the key is, you know, they're going to see everything we do. Around that, I'm going to have about 15 experts that do things from, you know, the most basic, you know, fundamental and technical analysis to, you know, long-term fundamental, you know, analysis and technical analysis, experts in the space. So we're going to have about 15 to 20 people on the site contributing on a daily basis. But, you know, when you talked about before, walk me through your day, this product will give you basically the full day of what we will do as a team at the opportunistic trader. And that would be being really quick on the news. We have somebody that's probably one of the fastest news experts in the business, meaning, you know, if there's breaking news, we're going to, we're going to hit the site with the news. We're going to give you actionable potential trade ideas. And we're, we're going to, you know, walk you through the trading and educate you. And what I've seen in a lot of the other sites is people that are saying, take $15,000 and turn it into 1.5 million, you know, and, and trade outside by your pool. And it's not a job. And, you know, when I see this stuff, it, it sort of really makes me believe that we have a niche in the marketplace. And, you know, my, my true, you know, my true passion at this point, along with trading, would be helping people, you know, have the ability to learn, learn markets, learn from, you know, guys that are in market wizards and, you know, in other books and have written books and, you know, and give them the full product. And, you know, we're going to have a, a life coach 
on there that you can talk to once a week, you know, which I think is important to, you know, traders and people that have positions in the marketplace. And we're going to provide a full product for what I think is not a lot on a monthly basis. It's probably pays for itself in one trade. And, and um, you know, I'm very excited about the launch. I'm excited about it, too, to be honest with you. It sounds fantastic. Um, Larry, someone just getting started in the markets right now, electronic trading, what would be one thing, one best piece of advice to tell this person? I, I would say the best piece of advice that I would give is is you want to learn. You want to learn. You want to study. You want to you want to work hard. You you have to stay disciplined through the process, educate yourself and basically make the risk controls that you're going to have enforceable on yourself. Because the hardest thing in trading, especially when you're trading alone, as many, many, many people do, is there's nobody tapping you on the shoulder like when I worked at Spear Leads. One of the greatest experiences I had at Spear Leads was you weren't any trader that you come across that traded at Spear Leads at any point in their career and they lasted three to five years were money makers because you weren't allowed to lose. They would not have you there. You would be hmm. fired. And what I would say is, you know, having the risk control is the hardest thing on yourself. So I would say, you know, obviously all of the advice, the discipline, all, all of that is important, but the risk control, because most people are trading alone. And when you're trading alone, you don't have anyone telling you, hey, listen, Larry, you got to get out of this position. It's just not working, you know, or do this. You're alone. You don't really have to answer to anybody. So I would say the risk control portion would be a, a very good advice for people. You have to follow it. You have to stick to it. And it has to be, you know, like religion to you. You can't you can't violate that. All right, I like the way you put that. That that uh, sort of sets that in um, in ink. Um, Larry, yes. let me let me ask you: What was your scariest trade you ever made? <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> you want? I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. Sure. The first answer is the scariest trade I ever made was the first trade I ever made. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. Because we were in a pit of guys. There were 300 people. You first had to get enough nerve to yell out loud, okay, which, you know, is something that most people don't know how to do, okay, or, you know, aren't used to. So on my first trade, I was trading in, in this product, and it, it, I'm sitting in the back of the product, and I, and I couldn't get near the front. And just to open my mouth to make the trade was – was scary. And, you know, getting the trade done was very, very difficult. So, you know, that, you know, doing your first trade is, is scary, but the one trade, as far as a sizable trade that I did, that was scary, um, to me was in 1980, I think it was 19, 90. I was working at Spear Leads and I was a specialist in the major market index, which was an index of uh, top stocks in the Dow, basically, um, that moved. It was the first index they ever did program trading on in the 80s. And 
a broker came into the pit from Morgan Stanley. And I was probably at the time in my late 20s. And, you know, I was doing good in my career and everything was moving. And, you know, I felt confident. But a broker came in and he said, where can I buy 2,000 of these calls? And they, you know, it was a very big notional trade, especially for me at that time. And I literally looked at him. I'm like, I can't sell those to you. It's just too big. And the the guy who ran the index uh, was a guy named Ron Shear, who was, you know, the senior managing partner there. And he turned to me and he said, hey, kid, he goes, just sell them. I said, Ron, we can't sell those. <laughs> We're never going to get it. You know, because our hedge was doing S&P futures or right. called the, something called the missiles, which no one really trades. But, you know, that was another hedge. And I'm like, Ronnie, we, there's no way we can hedge this. Just, this is just too big. He's like, just sell them. So I turned and I sold them. <laughs> so that was a big, big, scary trade. And then we went and we had to buy futures against selling these calls. Mm -hmm. And everything was done on a headset through Chicago. We were in New York at the time. And, uh, you know, that's where the pit was. And we ended up buying so many futures when we net net netted out the trade. I think we were plus or minus very little money. But that trade, you know, sticks in my mind because when you were the specialist on the floor like I was like now when I'm trading, I decide when I want to buy and sell. So if I like the market and I want to be long, I buy. If I think the market's going to go down, I sell. It's a very simple thing. But when you're the specialist, you had to provide liquidity to the, to the big firms and, you know, to big individual traders. And a lot of the times or most of the times, those trades were done the opposite of what you may have thought. So really, it was kind of counterintuitive. We were just looking to, you know, do volume, get trades on and hedge. But that trade in particular has always, you know, stuck in my head just because Ronnie was so cool and and so calm, and I was sweating like the, like we were going to go out of business, and and uh, it ended up working out okay, like most things have. But it was uh, definitely my most memorable scary trade that I did. I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, I tell you that uh, deer in headlights, that sweating, that we're going out of business. I mean, that that feeling is just about every day I remember on the trading floor. You know, at one point. Well, yeah, well, I'll, I'll interrupt you. What's what's interesting is I remember and this is going back to like 1985 or 86 and the OEX used to expire on the cash close and. And the cash would move a lot during during the last minute and a half of trading. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember they had one kind of program and the market like ripped up. And literally, it was like the first time I ever saw like in the business, like grown men, like literally with their hands in their face, I would say crying because they lost so much money in a matter of one minute that, you know, it, it was mind-blowing. So, you know, as you know, because you've been on the floor, I mean, the amount of risk and exposure and speculation oh, yeah. was massive. It was huge. You know, but, uh, you know, you live and you learn that, you know, again, you don't have to do that. You can just grind every day, make a really good living. And, and, and as you're making the living, you can learn. You got it. Education, learn from it. 
Learn from your mistakes. It's the only way you're going to get and uh, get up on your feet and stay on your feet. Uh, Larry, I just want to say it's been an honor, an honest honor, uh, talking to you, um, you know, t- talking about uh, the days in the pit, laughing, talking about education, talking about uh, the teachings and, and um, what you went through. And a lot of us uh, can relate to that or at least say, you know what, I'm glad I heard it from Larry first and I'll watch for that. If that uh, if that sort of sneaks up on me, I know what I probably need to do. So uh, experience, appreciate that. Now, Larry, uh, before we say goodbye, um, where can people find you online? We are going to be launching August first with our site to the public at theopportunistictrader.com. and uh, you can find me there every day along with our fifteen to 20 experts. Um, I'm not going to give away any names um, right now, but Mm. uh, you'll recognize who is on the site with us. Um, One, well, I'll give you one is uh, Mark Fisher, who uh, is written multiple books and they call him the king of oil. He'll, he'll be uh, on our site multiple times a week. And, um, and along with others. So uh, I look forward to uh, helping people trade, uh, giving advice and, and education uh, going forward. And, and I'm hoping that uh, people could make money with our site. All right. Larry, you're good people. That's for sure. That's for sure. Now, Thank you. Please keep in touch. I'd like to talk to you again down the road. Uh, Larry Benedict, have a great day. Appreciate it, sir. All right. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. All right, traders, as always, thank you for spending time with us. See you all next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Editing and post-production of this episode was done by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.